Hello there friends, this is Spencer Michaud, and today we're going to be talking about Mercury's ingress into the sign of Taurus. We will examine all of the aspects that Mercury is going to be making in its journey through Taurus from April the 19th to May the 3rd. Uh, we will examine some fixed stars it will be making contact with. We will look at what phase of its synodic cycle it is in, including Mercury emerging as the evening star during this, uh, this transit. Um, we will also talk a little bit about the daimons associated with Taurus and some of the esoteric meanings of Taurus in general. And of course, we will do an I Ching reading at the end of the video to kind of tie it all together and see what the Tao has in store for us. All right, I hope that you're all doing well out there and that you had a nice Mercury in Aries season, uh, a season that was probably uh, associated with, with coming to some kind of sovereignty, with coming to some kind of individualistic uh, mission that you have and finding your own power. Uh, and here when we're in Taurus, with Mercury in Taurus, we're going to be getting to the hard work of infusing that newfound idealism, that newfound sovereignty into a physical form. Um, as I talked about in my Venus in Taurus video that you can find on my channel, um, this is a area of the zodiac that is dually ruled by both Venus and the moon. This is something that I've been meditating on quite a bit. When we have a sign that has both a domicile ruler and an exaltation ruler, like Taurus does, Venus being the domicile ruler or kind of the butler, according to Martine Hermes, who I've been kind of really thinking about these ideas and been inspired to, to speak about them from. Uh, and the exaltation lord being sort of the owner of the estate. And I think that some of the thoughts that I've come up with are, is that that exaltation lord is giving kind of the, I would say almost the mandate. You know, it's kind of like, okay, this is our values. This is what we are really trying to do. And then that domicile lord is going to carry it out. It's the one that's going to be managing the day-to-day -day affairs and, and trying to carry out the mandate of the exaltation lord. At least that's where I'm at right now with my thinking on it. But if we think about Taurus in that regard, the moon is that exaltation lord, and the moon has to do with form and bringing things into form. Uh, and also, you know, when it's waning, it will be passing things out of form and, and dissolving things. So building up and dissolving like the moon does with its different phases. Now, Mercury. Mercury is a planet that visits the boundaries. It goes between worlds. It communicates between worlds. It communicates between different civilizations. It is a planet of commerce where we are negotiating uh, terms of things. So we may be negotiating terms of how, we're, how we are planning on bringing form into being. And how we are going to do that is going to be fed by Venus, the domicile lord, um, trying to create harmony, trying to create purification and beauty, uh, getting in touch with our own sense of generosity. This is something that has been really coming up a lot uh, in the research that I've been doing for Taurus in general, is that um, this concept of generosity, I believe that the word that Demetra George used in her very, very good uh, talk on the houses when she was referring to the fifth house and the joy of Venus, uh, she says, ko koinonia, ko 
koinonia. And I'm going to give you a quote on this because this is a great way to kind of set the tone here. It says koinonia is translated, is a transliterated form of the Greek word. Um, and I don't know how to pronounce this particularly here, but it says it refers to concepts such as fellowship, joint participation, the share which one has in anything, a gift jointly contributed, a collection, a contribution. Now, this concept of koinonia has been used in, in some Christian uh, theologies and, and some biblical stuff where it's talking about kind of the Holy Communion, things of that nature. Um, but I think in, in general terms, it's about what can you contribute to your community? Um, how can you create prosperity by se seeking to um, maintain the health of the whole? I think this is something that I was thinking about in my Venus and Taurus video too, is we can create prosperity by making sure that the, the things that we share are functional, are, are fertile, are fair. And the more that we are creating that abundance together, the more that we're going to be able to share in that prosperity. So that's, that's something to, to really consider as Mercury is going through this, this, this sign and this set of decans in general. Um, if we look at the chart, let's share the screen here and, and get to it. Okay, again, we're looking at this time frame that's between April the 19th, which I'm recording this today on Monday, April the 19th, where we're going to see the sun also ingressing from Aries into Taurus in a few hours here. And um, this is going to be a transit that will last all the way till the 3rd of May. And at the end of this transit is when Mercury emerges from under the beam. So we'll get to that. But I did just want to show you some of the, the things that Mercury is is trying to do right now. Let's go over its condition. Um, Mercury has some dignity in various sections of Taurus. It is the decanic or face ruler of the first decan, the first 10 degrees of Taurus. So that first first decan of Taurus is definitely about trying to make plans. Uh, it is trying to communicate about what to do with resources. There may even be some, some worry about resources. The, the tarot card in this decan was called Worry itself, uh, the Lord of Worry, Five of Pentacles. And I'll, I'll go over the story of the three uh, tarot cards associated with this sign in a minute. Um, but we are looking at some face dignity in the first decan, and then Mercury will be on its own terms from 8 to 14 degrees of Taurus. So those are the only dignities that we have. We do have a, a situation of Mercury being peregrine after it gets to 14 degrees of Taurus. Peregrine meaning it's like a wanderer where it doesn't have any dignity. It's kind of in a foreign land and it has an unfamiliar territory. So we may have a little bit more confusion that comes up uh, when we reach 14 degrees of Taurus. Now, Mercury in general has the quality, according to Robert Schmidt, of destabilizing things. It was like the lawyer in the cosmic courtroom questioning things. So this is anytime Mercury is moving through a particular sign, we're going to be raising questions and trying to find the right achemical mixture to bring things into being. Um, in the Rider-Waite tarot, uh, Mercury in general had some associations with the magician card. So you can see the magician card has one hand pointed towards the sky, 
towards the heavens and one hand pointed towards the earth. There is the symbol of infinity uh, above his head. He has in front of him all of the different materials that we see in the other decanic cards, the minor arcana, the pentacles, and the cups, the swords, and the um, wands. So he has access to all of these different materials, and he's trying to find that right mixture to bring the ideas down from heaven onto the earth. So this is really something where we are thinking about our manifestation energy and bringing things into form in particular. Now, there's one other card that is from the major arcana that we might find significations with Taurus in general, and that's the Hierophant. And the Hierophant has to do with uh, kind of orthodox systems um, with teaching, uh, with, with kind of a learning and teaching setting. It was a curriculum setter. So this is where we may be getting potentially caught up in some of the old ways of doing things. And some of the transits that we're going to experience as Mercury is moving through Taurus and making contact with planets like Uranus, uh, making squares to Saturn and Jupiter, we're going to be shaken up out of our routines a little bit during this transit. Um, we're, we're being asked right now to do things in a different way. And this can be, we, this can be done willingly, or this can be done uh, in reaction to shocking events that, that come up, you know, unexpectedly. And I think if we are prepared, but don't get too worried about it, we will be able to respond in a way that is in alignment with what is, what is asked of us, with the proper role, with the proper, um, you know, tools as well. We, we have to understand, we're, we're really trying to understand what tools are at our disposal right now to create change. So let's take a look at this, uh, what planets are, are with it here. We see that we have Mercury co-present with Venus and Uranus, as I was saying. The interesting thing is Venus is uh, the host of Mercury right now, the domicile lord, and it's co-present. So another concept that I you want, want to keep parroting from my friend Martin Hermes and probably from Robert Schmidt, where he is drawing that information upon, is he talks about the, um, the planet that is in the temple as the potter, okay, and the planet that is providing significations as the clay. So here we have the clay, which is Venus, and the moon okay but venus is here and it is witnessing mercury so we're going to rely on that one for now um we have the potter mercury which is saying okay let's bring venus to the witness stand and cross-examine her and say how do we create harmony how do we unify our idealism into our bo a body how do we create inner peace and those questions are going to be on our minds that Mercury is definitely about what we are thinking about, what we are speaking about, um, what skills may be necessary to bring something into fruition. So another way to think about this is Taurus is a, is a sign of inertia. And it's a fixed earth sign associated with the bull. And if you know anything about bulls, they're very large animals that generally 
take um, quite a bit of prodding or goading to get moving, but also once they are moving, it's going to be almost nearly impossible to stop them. So another thing that we are probably experiencing right now is how do we get our engines running and how do we start doing the hard work necessary to bring our vision into form? One other interesting note that I've been exploring with Taurus after reading um, Liz Green's very good chapter on Taurus and the astrology of fate is her assertion that we need to think about Taurus not just in terms of Aphrodite and Venus, but also with Aphrodite's marriage to Hephaestus, the blacksmith, the, you know, the combination of creating beauty, cleanliness, and purity with this very hardworking, um, dirty, uh, not very attractive, um, you know, hard worker. Okay, so so I think that the the real essence of Taurus we can see by combining Venus and the Moon. Okay, trying to harmonize with the body, spirit with matter. Uh, the combination and the marriage of Aphrodite with Hephaestus, beauty and purity, uh, receiving good fortune, but through hard work, through getting our hands dirty through planting the seeds in the soil. If you think about this as the, the, the time when we are beginning to plant our fields, um, you got to dig up the soil. You got to make sure that you get the rocks out of the soil. You got to roll up your sleeves and get sweaty, get dirty. Um, you know, not be afraid of the work that will create the later prosperity. I think this is the thing that, that we have to consider is it's definitely a uh, a balance between work and play that we are trying to to find over the course of this transit with these planets, the Sun, Mercury, and Venus all moving through Taurus. Okay, so if we look at the phase relationship that we're going to be seeing with Mercury over this period of time, Mercury just had its Kazemi, its conjunction with the Sun, at 29 degrees of Aries on Sunday the 18th. So this was a moment where we were seeding Mercury with new possibilities. So this may have happened uh, in, well, this did happen in your, the Aries temple of your chart. So if you want to know where a new seed was planted, take a look at where the Aries house falls in your chart. Um, for example, I'm a Leo ascendant, so Aries falls in the ninth house. So some kind of seed on Sunday was planted as far as, um, you know, my higher learning, finding meaning in life, perhaps in association with uh, divinatory systems, with astrology, things of that nature. Uh, I know I had a really nice um, clubhouse panel that I was a part of with a few other talented astrologers, and it went really well. It was a nice, I would say, uh, seminal moment perhaps for building something through that medium. Um, I also met a very nice astrologer recently. Uh, her name is Shu Yap, and we had a nice discussion. She's very talented and recently did a, a very um, well-received uh, talk on the synodic cycles of Venus. Um, I did not get to see this talk, and I, I'm curious to see it. But I, I, I heard a lot of really good feedback on it and uh, reached out to her and, and we had a nice chat and she seems to be very, very knowledgeable. Another 
kind of hidden gem in our community um, as far as astrologers go, like Martine Hermes, that is, is worthy of attention. And this, I think, really matches up with what Mercury is doing in a, as a fixed star relationship today. There is a, a conjunction with Mercury at zero degrees of Taurus with a fixed star called Mirak. And Mirak was the, uh, in the constellation Andromeda. And there was associations with receptivity, fertility, um, you know, banding together and becoming a translator, building rapport with people. And I felt like that was something that, that I experienced today. And I wonder, I'm curious if you were able to build rapport with someone on this, this Monday with a conjunction with Mirak. Um, but yeah, the, the, the synodic cycle, going back to that. So we had this Kazemi moment where we planted a seed. We may have, uh, you know, banded together with some some talented associates. Uh, we are going to see over the course of this transit, Mercury is going to emerge, and I'll show you what that's going to look like. Over the course of this time frame, we see Mercury moving very fast. It's direct in motion, and it's separating from the Sun. And when we get to May the second we're going to see Mer Mercury emerging from under the beams at about 27 degrees of Taurus. And that means that it's going to be separated from the sun by 15 degrees and become visible in the evening sky. And this is a really important moment for Mercury because all of the things that we've been doing behind the scenes, all the conversations that have been taking place that weren't visible to the public, may have a moment of visibility once Mercury emerges from the beams. And I'll break that down in some more depth as we get to the, the transits of the third decan of, of Taurus. But I just wanted to point out that, that that is an important point in the mercurial cycle. We will also be getting very close to anticipating a Mercury retrograde that's going to be coming when Mercury moves through Gemini. So this is a good moment to, to get things done. Mercury is still moving fairly quickly. It, it will begin to slow down as it separates from the sun and gets ready for that retrograde station. But we could see some moments of fertility with uh, Mercury making that emergence from under the beams and being co-present with her host, Venus. Now, there is a few uh, elephants in the room, I like to say. And really, the the big one, is we have both a conjunction that Mercury is making with Uranus, as well as Venus making, you know, Venus, the Sun, and uh, Mercury are all going to be making the conjunction with Uranus over the next few weeks. But we have this square, this overcoming square, a superior square with Saturn and with Jupiter. So I guess there, it's a mixed, a mixed bag. But I would say Saturn is really the big head honcho in the sky right now. Um, Saturn is in his own domicile. He is, This is a very pure expression of Saturn, for better or for worse. Saturn, of course, gives us, um, you know, it, it tries to show us where we may have points of ignorance for the purposes of restoring right proportion, like the deity Nemesis. So we are really going through a transition phase socially right now. We are being asked to continue to have distance with one another, socially distance, as we still deal with the fallout from 
from COVID and all of those things. We're dealing with some some real challenging circumstances with with gun violence and with inequality as far as how we are being policed. We're seeing more more violence with the black community and police officers, and uh, we're seeing some very important trials that are happening right now with the, the Chauvin case in Minnesota. There should be, over the course of the next week or two, a verdict in that case. And depending on which direction that goes, if we're whether justice is served or whether it isn't, there's a potential for for violence to erupt after that if if there is a unsatisfactory resolution to that. So this is this is kind of the specter that is weighing heavily on all of these Taurus planets. Um, now Jupiter is trying to assist. Jupiter is in the third decan of Aquarius, trying to to move us forward and make. A, a, a harmonious parting from the past and trying to help us embrace the unknown and the future itself. So I think that there is potential for good fortune if we are willing to leave behind the old and outdated. If we insist on doing things the way that we have always done them, we're probably going to experience some, some trouble, some pain, and some hardship. Um, I also think that in this Taurus season, generally we we think of this as pleasure, right? We have we have the spring season where the the beautiful flowers are out, where you know where we've been locked up indoors all, for a long time in this in the in a normal winter, and we've had to do this to even a more extreme degree with COVID, and we're ready to kind of like rejoin the the earth and and breathe in the fresh air and things of that nature and i think that we can do that to a certain degree within the limitations that saturn is presenting us with i think that's the key balance and temperance is the key it's not that we can't enjoy ourselves um, but i do think we still have to follow some of the mandates of saturn right now which is is continuing to be vigilant and to make some sacrifices for the communal good, uh, which is continuing to potentially distance until we have, you know, reeled in this very difficult to deal with uh, virus, and we have maybe more more people that have become inoculated with with these life saving vaccines. I recently got my first shot of the vaccine uh, over the weekend and. It was it was fairly painless. I, I the first shot was was not a, not an issue. Um, I uh, couldn't could barely feel it. Um, the day after, I was a little bit fatigued and had a little bit of muscle ache, but on you know by Sunday, I felt pretty normal again. And on my way to the place that I had to get the the shot, which the, I have to admit that was the only experience that was challenging, is I had to travel um, about. 45 minutes away from my house to a more a semi-rural area that, um, you know, it was in, I, I got my shot in a grocery store and, and there was a lot of folks that weren't really practicing social distancing. There was a lot of folks that weren't wearing masks in the store. And after spending 13 months basically as a hermit, not going anywhere public or indoor spaces b- besides a walk around my block, that was that was an experience um, that that had a little it was a little bit anxiety producing, but 
we got through it. And the, the pharmacists there were very, very nice and very helpful. And um, we saw a bald eagle on our way there, which was a very nice omen that we were rising above some of the challenges. And it, I think it helped me feel that we were protected on that journey and that there is a lot of associations with eagle and, and the communal good. Um, and I think that it's really interesting that the eagle is a symbol of, of America because we, we experienced both sides of, of, I think, American idealism on that day, some of which are, you know, there are some people in this country that really are concerned about their fellow person and that are trying to contribute to the whole. There is others that are, you know, wanting to maintain what they consider their freedom and 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 do what they want to do, whether it uh, has consequences for others or not. And like I said, we, we saw both sides of that. I saw another eagle painted on somebody's, uh, <laughs> like on their garage door on the way home. So that symbol was with us and it was really powerful. It was really, it was inspiring because I think that, again, I, I, I know everyone's got to come to their own um, decision when it comes to some of these issues. And I know it's a tough one. I know that I struggled a little bit uh, in the week leading up to my appointment because I was a little bit, mostly I was had some fear about being in public again. I think that was the main thing that I was feeling um, a little anxious about. Um, but at the end of the day, what, what got me through it uh, was the first song that I heard of the day of my appointment was I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor, which I thought was like funny. Oracles can come to you in many different ways. And that was uh, a pretty clear message. Um, and I think that um, at the end of the day, I had to realize, like think about why was I doing what I was doing. And to me, the motivation was I care about my community and I would rather go through this experience and make a sacrifice so that I would not hurt anybody else, so that I would contribute to a greater good. And that instinct was more powerful than my fear of, you know, getting, I don't know, of any repercussions that would come from it, my fear of being in public. Um, you know, I think that this is the time to overcome our fears. You know, I think Jupiter, the eagle is a symbol of Jupiter. And I think Jupiter was, Zeus was with us on that day, trying to overcome our fears. I was doing this right in the middle of a Sun-Pluto square, which exacerbated those things. And I think if we overcome the fear and try to do, you know, the best that we can with the knowledge that we have in that moment. Again, that's another thing that I think is important. We're all trying to do the best that we can with the knowledge that we have. And the knowledge that I had was that that was the, the action that was most appropriate for me at that time. And I, I, I don't regret it. I, th I think it was an okay experience beyond a little bit of a, a hiccup with this, the, uh, the indoor grocery store experience. But again, if this is the, what is going to help bring us back together, if this is, this is what is going to help me to be able to visit my parents again without fear that I will get their uh, much older and much more vulnerable bodies sick. And that's what I'm going to do. If this, if this is what it takes for me to be able to visit in person 
with my friends and give them a hug eventually and be able to rejoin society without fearing that we are all going to get uh, a, a deadly disease, then that's what I'm going to do. And that takes courage and that takes bravery. And I applaud all of you who have gone out and done your part. And um, I, I encourage you to, to consider it if it's something that you haven't engaged with yet. Um, again, nobody can force anybody to do anything. And I, I, I know that it doesn't work to, to impose a viewpoint. I just wanted to share why I made my decision and what the experience was like for me. And then if, if that inspires you to take your, an action of your own, so be it. And because um, I think that's at the end of the day, that's, that's all we can do. Share, share our perspective on something and, and then, you know, take the action that is in alignment with our own values and our own integrity. Um, I will say, though, that I, I do, it is my opinion that this is a public health issue and this is a communal issue that is, is going to take a unified sense of purpose. It is going to take everyone participating to overcome it, whether it's through social distancing, whether it's through getting vaccinated, whether it's through making some sacrifices in our pursuit of, of pleasure or desire or of, in the name of freedom. I guess it's a balance. We don't want to, you know, we don't want to give up everything that we, is, is you know, fundamental to American idealism. But I think at the end of the day, um, this is a temporary situation. And sometimes temporary sacrifice can lead to a future flowering. So the other thing that I really am putting out in this Taurus season is this is the season of delayed gratification. With Saturn in the overcoming position, we really are going to have to really balance out what we are attracted to and what we want to manifest and realizing that there are going to be some circumstances that will require maturity, sobriety, working with the concept of time and with eliminating things that are superfluous, right? Like here's one example of this. And I talked about this on this really good clubhouse talk that we had uh, over the weekend was I spent most of the weekend cleaning out my office. Um, it was, you know, I was feeling a little, I felt a little surge of energy on Saturday afternoon and then the fatigue hit me later in the day, but in the in the earlier part of the day, um, I was cleaning out my office, and I was I have Venus and Mercury. Okay, Venus at this point over the weekend was in my tenth house. Okay, maybe associated with with the place where I do business, which is my office at this point, working remotely and doing these videos. And Saturn was in my seventh house, my house of partnership. And the combination of Venus and Saturn uh, speaks to maybe cleansing things that had fallen onto disrepair or neglect. And I had a, a drawer behind me. You could see it's not there anymore. Now there's a bookshelf. <laughs> like, I was making space because I have more books than I have space for. And I had a, a drawer full of just junk. It was, it was a difficult to open drawer that was kind of ugly uh, dresser. And there was just a bunch of old stuff in there that wasn't serving me. And I needed the Saturnian help of my partner, Saturn in the seventh house, to tell me, hey, get rid of that. No, this is, you don't need that anymore. Let's restore right proportion to the situation, right? So I think that we may see this throughout this, this transit is there's some um, 
mature force in your life that is saying, hey, this isn't a time to just um, try to create growth without any sense of structure or limitation. This is a time to create growth within the limits that have been presented to you. And I know that that isn't the most fun thing to hear. doesn't mean that we can't have pleasure. It just means that there is considerations that are bigger than us right now that really are speaking loudly in the cosmos. Okay. I, I will tell you that picnic with a group of friends, um, that graduation party, it's not worth having a family member die from that. It's not worth it. It's not worth the celebration to lose people that are important to you if you were to spread a deadly disease to them or to the people in your community. It's just not worth it at this point. You know what I'm saying? And then if I think if we can just hang on a little bit longer, please, I guess that would be my plea to you is hang on a little bit longer. I know that we all have pandemic fatigue and I have it too, but we're, we're getting very close to, to, I think, getting maybe more over the hump. I know not in my own home state. We've been seeing real spikes right now, part of which I have found that as there was a uh, really interesting graph that went around recently about the point in time where the, 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 uh, the state Senate stripped you know, emergency powers from our governor who was doing a fantastic job, by the way, of keeping people safe at the beginning of the pandemic under the threat of her life, I will add, under the threat of being kidnapped or murdered and things like that. And she showed a lot of courage in the face of that indignity. And once they, the, uh, a more conservative Senate stripped her of those powers, uh, the COVID numbers started to spike and go completely out of control in our state. And they've been really, really difficult and challenging lately in Michigan. So when the boundaries were removed, we, more hardship was coming into place. So again, I know that the limits and the hardships can be galling at times, but sometimes they're put in place for a reason. And, and, and this is true with any sober structure in your life any bad habits that we're trying to get rid of and, and, and any time we're, we're are putting healthy limitations within, you know, what we're trying to experience. Okay. So that's kind of what's going on with Saturn and that overcoming position. Again, that, that's the real elephant in the room. And, and the other thing we're experiencing is the square between Saturn and Uranus. This is why we're another reason why we're having difficulty this year in particular because we have these limits, we have these old structures we're trying to dismantle, and we have this new energy that is trying to come in, this Promethean energy where we want to dismantle some of the old things that we've been experiencing, some of the old rhythms, some of the old expectations, the old way we've dealt with resources and distribution of resources, and there's tension between the old and the new right now. So we're really trying to figure out how to bring these, these new social constructs into being and it's going to take a while is another thing. Remember, we, we recently had the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, but that was at the solstice. But, it, but again, there was a 10-year war between Zeus and Kronos and the Titans and the Olympians before there, the, the Zeus was able to overcome Titans. And funnily enough, 
uh, or 10 or 10,000 years, however, whatever, uh, you know, I don't know, <laughs> unit of 10 uh, in, in mythological time. But the, the synchronicity with that is that there is actually a 10-year cycle that it takes Jupiter to make an opposition to Saturn. And then we have Jupiter in the overcoming powerful position. So these new concepts are going to be struggling against the old order for, a, a, for quite some time. So strap in. <laughs> we're, not, we're not over the hump yet. But you got to do the hard work like Hephaestus, right? You got to do the hard work to bring peace into your communities. All right, so let's get back to some of the details of this. Um, so let's go through the Deccans themselves. Um, we'll start with Deccan number one. We'll go back to uh, the 19th, and I'll take you through this real quick. And then we'll get to the I Ching and we'll wrap it up. Okay, so on the 19th, again, we have the ingress of Mercury into Taurus. I talked briefly about the fixed star Mirach, which is in the constellation Andromeda, who was the princess that was kind of, I don't know, chained to a rock um, because her mother Cassiopeia compared her beauty to, I believe, Athena or Hera. I'm not sure exactly, but she compared her beauty to a goddess and insulted her in her own temple. And then uh, that was, that was uh, a hubris that could not go unpunished. So poor Andromeda was was chained to a rock to be uh, consumed by the sea creature, the kraken or or Cetus, the whale. Um, but Brady, in her description of Mirak, talks about this fixed star as as you know about building diplomacy, uh, building rapport between people. And I talked about uh, this very nice conversation I had with a talented astrologer. Um, so think about that on this day if you're listening to this, building rapport with people in your life. Um, as we move through this decan, we may be thinking about how to deal with our worry over resources. So let me show you the card that we're looking at here with this first decan of Taurus. This is the Five of Pentacles. It's called the Lord of Worry. Austin Coppock calls this card the plow because we have these significations with trying to, to plan for planting the fields of our life. So this is a real, this is a planning card. We do see two figures that look kind of like they've fallen on hard times. They are outside of a church and a stained glass window in the winter. Uh, the interesting thing with this card though, and what many of the tarot uh, interpreters and Austin himself and um, various people talk about that this, this kind of impulse where we may be getting some messages in this first decade of Taurus where there may be some concerns about how we're going to pay some bills, how we're going to, you know, tax season was extended. Maybe you have to pay your taxes right now. Maybe there's some shocking events that happen with, uh, you know, finances that will set you to, to do the hard work necessary to build prosperity within your life. Um, I know that there's been some rumblings that uh, there might be some regulatory things coming with Bitcoin um, where there might be some government crackdowns on how people are using Bitcoin and things like that, which is not surprising. I could see that with Saturn in an overcoming square with Mercury. Bitcoin has been a little bit of um, like that that GameStop experience we had. Bitcoin is a more of um, uh, a fringe but new technology 
that is in some ways creating, um, it's leveling the playing field for the haves and the have-nots. And in the current um, capitalist structure that we have, where we have a lot of you know, you know, federal regulations on our money, um, and powerful people that are making those laws, um, that may be seen as a threat because a lot of there's a lot of control that happens on a governmental level with money. And when we have something like Bitcoin, that puts a lot of the power back into the people, not having a centralized bank that is able to to control all the resources. So this may be something that's coming that I, I would say might be uh, a challenge to overcome. I don't think Bitcoin's going anywhere. I'm not an expert on that. I'm not an expert on cryptocurrency, so please do not take my advice and go sell all your Bitcoin or whatever. There are people out there that study this way more than me that that would probably give you better advice. But again, I, I think that it, we could see some things where there is a clap back from, from uh, old power structures on those new technologies. And um, yeah, we'll just see what happens because we've got Venus and Mercury and the sun all making that Uranus contact. So some shocking event especially when it has to do with, with our resources. So if we go back to the chart here, I just want to show you, we have a couple fixed stars with the first decan. Okay. Um, we don't have any planetary contacts, exact, exact aspects in the first decan, but as we move forward, okay, we've moved forward from Mirac at zero degrees of Taurus. And then as we move forward to the 22nd, um, this day is, uh, we're going to be seeing Venus making the, the conjunction with Uranus. I'll talk about that in a later video, but that's one moment to keep your eyes on. Okay. And then as that is happening, as Venus is conjoining uh, Uranus on the 22nd and the 23rd, Mercury is going to be conjoining two fixed stars. One at seven degrees of Taurus is called Hamal. And Hamal is in the constellation of Aries, in the like the head of Aries, and it represents will, determination, headstrong ideas. You know, Bernard Bray talks about jolting news. So this may be where there's some news about our resources that, that is a little bit shocking that could lead to con some confrontational types of discussions. Um, you know, just, just be patient. If anything comes up, you I think you will be able to find solutions, but this may be the moment where we have a little bit of un anxiety and unsettledness when it comes to our our uh, seeds that we're trying to plant and the resources that we're trying to use. So on the 23rd, after Mercury hits Hamal, it will hit a fixed star called Shadar at eight degrees of Taurus. And this is in the constellation Cassiopeia. Now Cassiopeia was the queen in the royal family that is associated with Andromeda and Cepheus, the king. And this represents kind of this dignified, um, commanding, like this is a commanding, dignified position where you are building uh, honesty and integrity into your dealings with people. Um, so this could be where your, your, your communications and your commerce, uh, you're going to have to kind of rely on, you know, this strong, intuitive faculty where you aren't getting flustered. You, this may be the day where... You know, you may have a shocking event that may inspire you to like be like, sell, 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 you know, and then you have to be like, well, wait a minute. Maybe this is there's a long game to this or a long tail to it. And I have to see this in the greater scheme of things.
So I would encourage patients uh, on the 23rd, I would encourage it the entire week because, you know, really the way that Taurus works is doing the hard work and then allowing the natural cycles to assist you in whatever is manifesting. So it is a feminine sign. It is, it is about doing what is necessary, but then being open to receiving both help and trusting the, the power of nature to, to be of, of service to what you are doing. Now, this first decan is associated with charities. And, and I wanted to read this quote again with, for you. I read it in my last video, but I love it so much. I want to reiterate it here. The charities were the attendants of Aphrodite. They, they were the three graces that adorned her with beautiful clothes and jewelry. And it, the OI.com says that they are mostly described as being in service or attendance of other divinities, as real joy exists only in circles where the individual gives up his own self and makes it his main object to afford pleasure to others. The less beauty is ambitious to rule, the greater is its victory. The less homage it demands, the more freely it is paid. These are seen to be the ideas embodied in the charities. So again, if we want to create prosperity in our life, we need to think about how we can create prosperity for our neighbor, for our community, for the whole. Because again, a healthy community is able to provide for everyone. A corrupt community it only provides for a very select few. And everyone has it in the back of their mind that they are the select few that, that should, you know, win the lottery or win the game. And we've been fed this kind of, well, we've been fed this, this uh, myth, and not in a good way. I, I, I respect myth, but we've been fed this, this illusion in, in America in particular, but in capitalistic societies throughout late stage capitalism that you're going to be the one. If you only work hard enough, you're going to be the special one that wins the game. And as we get further and further and further down the rabbit hole of, of capitalism and see it becoming more and more corrupt, we're seeing that there are certain folks that have rigged the game and that there are certain folks that as hard as they may work, they may never win because of some of the, the advantages built into the system for the privileged few. And I think that that's, that is some of the reality and the, the awareness that we're coming to as we see get closer and closer to the fall of an empire. We're going through our Pluto return here in America. We are coming to a reckoning point as far as how we've taken care of our citizens how we've distributed resources across different demographics, how we've treated people of color, how we've treated people on the fringes of society. This is a reckoning moment. And the game was, was stacked in the favor, well, to, just to be very blunt, the game was stacked in the favor of white men for a long period of time. White, cisgendered, heterosexual men and now we're coming to the reckoning moment that that system needs to be dismantled and rebuilt in a way that is more equitable for everyone. And we have to be able to acknowledge that before we can move forward 
and create a system that is healthy. This system is not healthy. And if you're a white, cisgendered, heterosexual man, you're like, well, what's the problem? Well, not everyone has those privileges and advantages. And this is coming from someone who fits all of those categories. Okay. And you know what? Like if I would wasn't resisting the corruption of the system, I've probably benefited from the system without even trying. That's how corrupt it is. And I've even had an awareness that the system itself is corrupt and tried to avoid taking advantage of those privileges because I understood that the game was rigged from the beginning. But that doesn't mean that I still don't benefit from them. That's how crazy it is. And that should be said. That should be acknowledged. That's, <laughs> if we can't reckon with that truth, we're never going to be able to find an equitable system. Okay, This is why I'm so uh, passionate about finding fair and equitable ways of putting my work out there that allows whoever needs to hear it to benefit from it and you know find a way of accepting energy exchange for my work from whatever place that someone can give or or not give if you've benefited from this system by all means give me money you know by all means give me more money but if you're somebody who has been taken advantage of by the system by all means take my information for free Okay, like this is a thing. You come from where you're at, you know, I, and I hope that I've provided the information necessary to let everyone, you know, take advantage of this information and material. Okay. Now, granted, I still need to eat. And I sometimes my idealism has gotten me into some very tight financial spots. But at the end of the day, I'll tell you what, you know, my family is, you know, they're not rich, but they're middle class. And if I had gotten to a tough spot, for the most part, my family was able to bail me out. And I have no trouble admitting that because not everybody has that advantage. And it is quite a privilege to, to have, you know, generational wealth that is passed down the line. You know, I come from a family of college professors that were really frugal, that lived in Indiana, and they, they amassed, you know, they amassed some wealth. Now, to be able to stand on my own two feet, I have to be able to establish my own business and things like that, because nobody wants to be dependent on their parents, you know what I'm saying? But I think that acknowledging that privilege is really important, and I just, if, if I have to be an example for that and just shouting it from the rooftop, I'm going to continue to do that because I think that it's, it shouldn't, the burden should not fall on the oppressed to make this aware uh, to the people in power. It falls on the people in power to make this aware to other people in power to create equality and maybe to sacrifice some of that power. Because at the end of the day, and hear me out on this. This is, this is really the key. Here's the key. At the end of the day, if the people in power continue to benefit from a corrupt system, that system will crumble. That system will no longer be able to support both the people in power and the people that have been in exile. It doesn't support anybody. 
So if you want to create a functional system that will support everybody, you have to create a system that's fair for everybody. Because eventually, you know, there will be uh, an enormous amount of blowback, and there should be. This is how revolutions start. Revolutions start when people have just been like, I've had enough. I'm not being treated fairly. The system doesn't work for me. Let's burn it to the ground. And you know what? It's hard to blame people that feel like that. It really is. And it may be hard for you to understand if you have benefited from the system, those feelings. So something to, to consider as we move forward through this, this Taurus season square with Saturn and with Jupiter and Aquarius. Going back to the details of this, and this is all contextualized within the charities. Remember, service. Stop asking what people can give you. Start thinking about what you can provide for your community, please. You know, JFK had it right. Ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Let's restore right proportion by giving the best of ourselves to our communities, you know, by, by giving what we can give in that moment, even if it's your knowledge, even if it's your time, even if it's your understanding, even if it's your willingness to change and to sacrifice for someone else's benefit. Because ultimately, I think that all the mystics had this figured out. We're one. And when one person is oppressed, we're all oppressed. Do you know what I'm saying? And how you treat other people is, you know, it's the golden rule. Treat others as you want to be treated. Because, you know, the wheel of fortune continues to spin. And, you know, you may be on top one, one time, at one point, but fate is not always kind. And you can very easily be on the bottom of that wheel. So you may need help eventually. So I, I do think that it's, it's important to, to recognize that. Let's move forward to the second decan. So Mercury moves into the second decan of Taurus on the 23rd. So after we've seen this conjunction with Venus and Uranus and Mercury kind of playing that role with those two fixed stars, the second decan of, of, of Taurus for Mercury is very active for Mercury. This is where we're going to see a lot of our really important aspects. Um, this decan is, is associated with the Six of Pentacles. Now, this card is, this, the, is called Success, the Lord of Success. And we, in it, we see two figures, excuse me, potentially the, the, the same two figures that we saw in um, the previous card, receiving alms, receiving charity, and a figure that's holding a scale of balance who is giving out the, the, the alms to the poor. So this card is associated with also, I think, with, with charity. Um, it, it is not the daimon associated with it. I think that's an interesting dichotomy that we have a card where we literally see charity, but the charities themselves are in the first decan. Um, this decan has a spirit called the horai that are associated with it. And they roughly translate to the seasons. And the Horai 
are uh, basically goddesses of the seasons that are presiding over, and I'll read this, this is a quote, and it says, the go- these are the goddesses of the seasons and natural portions of time. They preside over the revolutions of the heavenly constellations by which the year was measured, while their three sisters, the Morai, spin out the web of fate. The Horai also guided, guarded the gates of Olympus and rallied the stars and constellations of heaven. They were particularly honored by farmers who planted and tended their crops in time with the rising and setting of the stars. Measures of the passing seasons. Okay, so really this is about timing. This is about um, consistency. I think this Deccan talks about the value of consistency. It's a moon-ruled face. I have the moon in this in this Deccan of Taurus. And one of the ways that I've been able to create success in my life, having this moon conjoin the midheaven in my chart, is just showing up for life and just doing things and doing it and doing it and showing up and doing it again and you know, putting the work in, put, putting the Hephaestian work in and trying to create as much beauty and harmony as I can with the work that I do. So again, this is a time where routines are important. Now, I don't think that we are going to be able to maintain a consistent routine during this period of time as much as we might want to, because there is a number of challenging things that are happening. On the 24th of April, we will see Mercury conjoining uh, Uranus, okay? A disruption of our routines is probably in the cards. So have patience with the disruption. It may be showing you that the way that you've been doing things is just unproductive and like Prometheus giving fire to humanity. It is a gift from the gods trying to shake you out of your old way of doing something and inspire you to do it in a way that is functional. So if there's something that breaks down around this period of time, let it go and build from that awareness that that comes to you, okay? So this could be, you know, this could also be like you're receiving some kind of commerce, windfall, or debt. It could go both ways with this. Some kind of shocking news, though. Mercury is about news. This could be some kind of shocking news when it comes to resources and how resources are distributed to the public. Um, innovative ideas could come to you when it comes to how you manage your resources as well. Now, as we move forward, we will see in the day ahead, on the 25th, Mercury is then going to run smack into a square with Saturn. So after that shakeup of Uranus, it runs right into the brick wall of Saturn. There's going to be some cosmic no (laughs) that's coming up. And it'll probably be frustrating it probably will be a little bit depressing, it may lead to some pessimistic thoughts, but it could lead to some intense mental focus and discipline. There could be some social issues that are interfering with your mental stability. Um, this could be the time frame where, again, this, this week ahead, there's probably a verdict coming in the, that Minnesota police case. And depending on which direction that goes, this could really just be, I don't know. I, I have hope. I am hoping that justice is served and that justice for George Floyd is served and that uh, Mr. Chauvin is convicted. Um, 
but I think that if he isn't, and history has shown that many people in his position have gotten away with abuse of their power. I think if it goes that direction, we're, we're in for some challenging times. And I think that we, that, that would probably be something that I could anticipate leading to maybe feeling some hopelessness, some depression, some pessimism on the system. It could be disrupting our routines literally by people, you know, being fed up with a system that isn't working for them anymore. Again, I don't, I, I think that it's important not to call those things into existence. I know as, as my job as an astrologer is to try to be as objective as possible, but I think that one of the things we have to realize is that we are co-creating with the divine when we're interpreting these symbols. So I, I pray for peace, I pray for justice, and I pray for equality in this system. Um, but I'm also prepared. I'm also prepared uh, for and trying to see that there is a possibility that that you know history has shown us that there is a possibility that it could go the other way. Now, another astrologer that I'm friends with, um, Mr. William um, Butler, I think that's how you say his last name, has a really good article on his website uh, regarding the um, Rodney King riots of LA in 1992 and the similarity with Saturn being in Aquarius and uh, some of the, the significations like that were coming back around. Um, again, if you're not, if you're too young to remember that period of time, Rodney King was a truck driver in Los Angeles that was basically pulled out of his vehicle by police officers and beaten basically within an inch of his life. And those police officers, I believe, were not convicted um, of police brutality. And we saw the, the, resulting, uh, the, the, re the resulting civil unrest from that verdict. And it would not be surprising to see something similar if this goes in a similar direction. Again, I, I pray for justice. Potentially, what could be the, the, the beautiful thing that could happen is that at the Saturn return of those actions, maybe we've learned something in 30 years. Maybe we are ready to start changing the way we treat black Americans and the way that we police them. Maybe we're ready to change the criminal justice system. Wouldn't that be a beautiful expression of this energy? One can only hope. So that's the 25th, Mercury squaring Saturn. Um, also on the 25th, Mercury's moving really fast, so it's making a number of, of aspects all at once here. Mercury is going to be making a conjunction with Venus. So at 13 degrees, we're going to see the conjunction of Mercury and Venus. So potentially something good coming out of it. Uh, this could be um, some interesting collective values erupting from the collective unconscious. And I say that because there is a fixed star at 14 degrees of Taurus, which is very close to this conjunction called Menkar, and that's the mouth of the whale. So we could be seeing uh, some of our values coming from a very deep place, uh, trying to communicate our values to people, trying to communicate this new vision that we have of, of justice and equality 
it sounds potentially a lot like protests to me. Um, but maybe there's something beautiful that comes out of it. Maybe this time around, uh, our voices will be heard or the voices of the oppressed will be heard. And, uh, I can, like I said, I can only hope that, that we are at a pivotal point where we're ready as a community to, to move forward. And again, I will point out Jupiter is in that third decan of Aquarius. This is the time to move on. Great honor and merit will come from leaving the past behind and embracing the new and the unknown. Okay. Treat people the, the way that you want to be treated. So that's the 25th. Now, on the 26th, I should point out, as all this is manifesting, we're leading up to a full moon. So on the 26th of, of April, you know, at about seven degrees of Scorpio, we see an opposition with the sun at seven degrees and subsequently an opposition by whole sign with Mercury and Venus and Uranus. So again, something's coming to a head over the weekend that, that incorporates the themes of Mercury conjunct Uranus, Mercury squared Saturn, Mercury conjunct Venus, you know, the fixed star Menkar having a, a say in the conversation. But it, there is difficulty bringing things into manifestation when the sun is in Scorpio. So what is manifested may be disappointing, maybe bringing us a sense of feeling of loss because the first decan of Scorpio is associated with the five of cups where you see a figure mourning his losses, but then needing to turn to gratitude to realize that there is still hope. There is still resources that are available to us. So whatever comes up between this period, between the 23rd and the 26th and the 27th, try not to lose hope there. Even if there is a disappointment that comes, whether it's in material shocks, whether it's in social challenges, there is still hope on the horizon. Find the strength within you, deep in the core of your being, to keep the, 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 the change going, to keep advocating for the change that needs to happen, for justice for everyone, whether it's material justice or whether it's through the way that we are you know, applying laws to everyone. Because I think that it may be a tough weekend. I just feel that it's, um, and I, I feel it's my responsibility as an astrologer to, to point these things out and not to sugarcoat them. Um, again, I hope for the best and prepare for the worst. That's, that's sort of my, some of my mantras. Balance. Balance and temperance is the key. So my main takeaway is retain hope. Uh, especially at this full moon when, when we could be experiencing some difficult manifestations that are disruptive to our sense of inner peace and, and well-being. Okay, so after the full moon, we're going to be seeing uh, the Mercury dip into the third decan of Taurus on the 28th. Okay, so here we see Mercury moving forward very quickly, moving multiple degrees a day. Okay. And here it is into the third decan, very late in the day on Wednesday, April the 28th. Now, this decan is associated with the Seven of Pentacles. Okay, Seven of Pentacles here. And the Seven of Pentacles shows a figure leaning on his, on his uh, 
farming implement and he has planted his crops he's done the necessary work and had the patience to 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 water them and to fertilize them and to have faith in the process and now he's waiting so this is a this this is a decan of patience um this is potentially a decan where we are needing to have a uh, a quality of maintenance i guess i would say um uh, the, the the spirit associated with this decan is the litai and the litai were a, a series of old women okay and i'll read this from the oi i love the oi this is my favorite source for greek mythology right now it says the litai were per personified spirits of prayer ministers of the god zeus they were described as hobbling old women their opposite number was eight the spirit of delusion and folly in whose wake they followed they also say that the Lilitai were the personification of prayers offered up in repentance. They are described as daughters of Zeus and as following closely behind crime and endeavoring to make amends for what has been done. But whoever disdains to receive them has himself to atone for the crime that has been committed. All right, so atonement. So potentially after the events of this week that is coming up, we need to atone for, for the crimes and the sins of, of what we've experienced um this is a time to have faith and prayer in the in the process that we are experiencing if we look at our chart again here we could see that um mercury is going to be making a number of aspects to various fixed stars and and to a number of planets as well so the key with the litai i think is this this is a time where we've planted the seeds we've seen some growth and now what we've grown is threatened by pestilence by uh you know insects that are seeking to destroy our harvest or our crop like a drought uh, a a flood and we are we're trying to defend against those tragedies by by really just atoning for the past for whatever you know hasty folly that that we created um like eight and atoning for for that for those actions and then having faith really faith i i know i know some people in my life that have prominent third third decan taurus placements and their stories are all very similar they had some real difficulties in the beginning of their life with maybe rash or hasty decisions some with substance abuse challenges and Many of them have found the power of prayer to be healing. Um, Austin Coppock calls this Deccan uh, a string of prayer beads, and it is a Saturnian Deccan, double Saturn. So we moved from Mercury in the first Deccan to the moon in the second Deccan to Saturn. So this is about really like coming to terms with reality, getting sober. Um, you know, Saturn is, a, is, a, is a, a spiritual planet. It is the planet of the hermit, of rising above things and seeing how all the pieces fit together of being mature enough to restore right proportion to any oh, any hedonism that we might experience in Taurus any anything where we've we've overindulged in something this is where we're restoring balance again okay so that's what I would encourage you that the, the tact I would encourage you to take uh, through the, this this decan now the first experience that we're going to have uh, on 
the 29th through the 30th is an applying um, applying sextile with Mercury to Neptune. So here we go, April the 29th. So this may be a period of time where we are uh, feeling some, uh, maybe we're getting in touch with our intuition, with our dreams, with the patterns that we see uh, in, in society. Um, this could make it so that some of the details are fuzzy. Neptune has a dissolving quality, a sacrificial quality. Uh, it, it desires to transcend. So potentially we could be trying to transcend some of our some of our um, failings. Again, this this decan was called the Lord of Failure in the Book of Toth. So by dissolving some of our hardened uh, beliefs and some of our hardened patterns, we could find transcendence with this this Mercury Neptune type of experience. We could just feel tired too, uh, exhausted after the events of the, you know, the second decan. I know that that's how I usually experience Neptune is just zaps me of energy. On the 30th, we're going to be seeing uh, the beginning of Mercury making conjunctions with the fixed stars in Perseus. Now, Perseus was the hero that saved Andromeda from the sea monster and used the head of the Gorgon Medusa to freeze the, the, the monster and turn it to stone. He had a sword in his hand in the constellation, and this, on the 30th, we see Mercury conjoining 24 degrees of Taurus, which is the fixed star Capulus in the sword. So we have, you know, this is a, the quality of, of very masculine, rash energy, confrontations, intellectual battles. We're also at the same time seeing the sun's conjunction with Uranus, so awareness of things that need to change and revolutionary thoughts and feelings are going to be coming up. So we may be really speaking in a way that is very aggressive around this period of time, April 30th, on Friday, April 30th. I think that's a Friday, yeah. And uh, as we move forward, we're getting very close to Mercury making its emergence from under the beams. So here we are on, on uh, May the 2nd. So we have Mercury making a trine to Pluto. So simultaneously, multiple things are going to be happening. Mercury is making its emergence as the evening star becoming visible in the night sky. A moment of phasis, an omen that is speaking. May 2nd is an important day in the sky. I don't know what's happening, but it's an important day to pay attention to the messages that you receive. Okay, so we have a trine to Pluto, an exposure of corruption, potentially, and an ability to transform and to heal from that awareness. Okay. Uh, we have a conjunction with Mercury to the fixed star Algol at 26 degrees of Taurus. So intense passion, emotional, uh, this could be some emotional brooding. Um, and maybe a time where we need to rein in our emotions a little bit. Uh, you know, there is some significations with, quote unquote, losing your head uh, because Medusa had her head severed. So that, and but Medusa is a complicated myth and there is definitely some, patriarchal ways of thinking about it and some more feminist perspectives. And, and in, in some circles, Algol and Medusa was, was thought of as feminine power and was very protective. So there could also be some powerful protection that we are manifesting around this period of time as well. Now, over the course of the next day, we're going to be seeing uh, Mercury applying to a, a square to Jupiter. 
So this is a time frame where Jupiter is in the overcoming position. This is happening in about 28 degrees of Taurus and Aquarius, respectively. And Jupiter in the overcoming position is positive. This is this in traditional astrology, squares with benefic planets were not necessarily difficult. I mean, they may not be as smooth, but but this was a very positive um, relationship between a benefic and a planet. Now, I will caution you that there may be uh, some excess or grandio grandiosity of thinking. Um, there may be some, you know, things where we're having to make some reconsiderations about leaving things behind. What is happening concurrently on May the 3rd is we are seeing the sun's square with Saturn. So this, this is not only a square with Mercury and Jupiter, you know, where we're maybe, you know, getting a little bit arrogant with our speech or something like that. Uh, but we are also feeling the, the, the weight of limitations and having an awareness of the system that is disrupting our, our preferred routines. The other thing that's really activating all this is the moon is going to be conjoining Saturn that day, and we're going to be experiencing the last quarter moon square. So again, this is where we are reconsidering our actions, where we're saying, okay, I, this, we're having a change of heart around this period of time. So, so think about how that all fits into your life with the, the emergence of Mercury from under the beams is probably coinciding with a time where it's time to leave something behind. Okay, this it's we don't always have to be like growing things. Sometimes Taurus, especially if we are experiencing a, a, a waxing, I'm sorry, a waning moon phase or last quarter squares. Sometimes what we experience with Taurus is elimination of indulgences and and bad habits that are creating corruption. So this is something I've experienced having a last quarter moon in Taurus. You know, I have a, a Taurus moon that is sextile, the, the, the sun in Cancer, but it's still considered in, in the last quarter phase. And one of the things that I've done that, that I've created, ways I've created success with that moon in the 10th house and the sun in the 12th house is eliminating bad habits. I, I as a young person, I wasted a lot of time. I, I realize now just how much time I spent daydreaming and like just indulging in, you know, fantasy land. <laughs> like, and it's all coming back around. Okay. Like in my, my Saturn re zodiacal releasing from spirit period started a few years ago. Uh, I moved on from a Jupiter period. Okay. And it's like my whole mood shifted and I was like, oh, it's time for me to work. Um, and now I don't have a lot of free time because the planets are my masters now on some level. The planets keep moving. The planets keep asking me to, to interpret and to speak on them. And the, the method that I've chosen, this decanic video series, is demanding. And it is... I'm willing to do it because I think it's a nice counterbalance to the, you know, uh, maybe even some of the lack of productivity I had as a young person. Um, that now it's my time to to step up and to to just to really sow sow seeds. And um, yeah, sometimes you got to do the work willingly, you know. But I think that that 
the way that I was able to, to, to get to this point of being more productive was eliminating those bad habits, eliminating distractions rather than saying, Oh, I have to create all this. It's like, no, what do I need to remove? What old belief systems do I need to remove? What old habits do I need to remove? Same thing with my diet and exercise and things like that. My diet's undergone a lot of changes over my life. I've had to eliminate, you know, eating just for pleasure and, and, you know, put things in my body that are healthy and sticking to exercise routines and, and things of that nature. So again, look at what phase these relationships are in because sometimes they're in manifestation phases and sometimes they're in elimination phases and both are okay and both are equally valuable that's something i wanted to point out we we live in this society right now that really values creation and manifestation and is more harsh on elimination and consolidation and I think that to balance our society out and to really get back in touch with the way that the seasons naturally work, we have to embrace the elimination. We have to embrace tearing down old structures that aren't working. Like I experienced this in my office. I freed up energy in my office by getting rid of just garbage. It was just garbage. It was old electronics. It was like old cables and stuff that I hadn't touched in years, just taking up space. And you know what that did? That opened up space for something in my environment, like a bookshelf, that is a reflection of who I am now in this moment. And the same thing can be done with our social structures. Who are we in this moment? How can we stop living in this past, that this functional past that maybe at one time it worked for someone, not for everyone, obviously, but it doesn't work for people now. It doesn't, it's not working. This, this unlimited growth mindset has poisoned our oceans, has burned down our forests, has created what may be irreversible climate change at this point. And we have to realize that we have to consolidate to, to bring the new. And that's okay. That's just as valuable as creating and, and abundance and things of that nature. Okay, so that's what's going on with Mercury throughout the transits. Now, let's try to tie a bow on this. The other thing that's going on, you know, that I missed was Mars moves into Cancer in the middle of this cycle. This happens in the end of the first decade of Mercury. So keep your eyes peeled for that. That'll be a little bit more challenging position for Mars, a little bit less stable position for Mars, but it will be in a sextile to Mercury. So those two planets will be having more of a positive communication with one another. But it may disrupt some, some of our domestic uh, routines. All right, so the hexagram that I got this week was number 37. No changing lines, a pure energy. The question was, what is the essence of Mercury's transit through Taurus in 2020? And I'm drawing this on the screen for those of you listening audio only. Number 37 is the combination of the component trigrams wind and wood. Okay. Wind and wood is the first trigram on top of fire or light. Okay. So this is... Uh, 
whoops, well, whatever. This is where we need flexibility. Flexibility, wind, flexibility and gentleness, okay, are in combination with fire, which is awareness, right? Now, this hexagram is interesting. This is called the family. Other words, keywords for this, people in the home, the, the household, the clan, uh, playing your part or your role, establishing expectations, serving as an example, creating mutual trust, the hearth. Now, who is the goddess of the hearth? Hestia is the goddess of the hearth. Think of the hearth as the fire in the home that that it, you know everyone is is trying to keep burning so that they can create this wonderful meal. This this is something I was thinking about. As the goddess of the hearth that presides over preparation of the family meal, you can think of this time period as we're preparing pre preparing for a great feast, hopefully. And what is your role in the feast? What part are you playing to contribute? Are you chopping the vegetables? Are you stirring the pot? Are you gathering ingredients? Are you contributing ingredients? Are you designing the recipe? Are you the head chef? Are you the sous chef? Are you the waiter? Which role are you playing? And it's important to figure out what your role is in this time frame of creation and, and of consolidation um, and to play it well. That's, that's the key here. And then uh, Hillary Barrett asked these questions. What are the boundaries of the home that you inhabit? How are you building inner and outer relationships into a home? What kinds of growth does this environment support? Okay, how, what, what are you trying to build? It says, people in the home, a woman's constancy is fruitful. So this talks about like the dedication of the people in the home. And this, this feminine consistency is kind of the consistency of the seasons and of the earth and of nature itself. So we're cooperating in some kind of shared space, allowing space for growth. We consistency will help us to to bear fruit. Consistency interactions, showing up every day. Okay, this is the secret superpower of Taurus is just showing up, doing the hard work. You know, with grace. Um, it, it's probably uh, fortunate to possess clarity about the social role that you are playing in the collective. You know, I'm trying to play my role as in a position of privilege to point out maybe to other people of privilege how privileged they are and to think about what you can do to help other people that may not be as privileged. Even if you feel, you know, it's not even really about like, you know, whether you're rich or you're poor, because there, there's definitely people who are privileged in different ways. You can be privileged by looking a certain way. By having a, a different gender, you can be privileged by your sexual orientation. You can be disadvantaged in other ways. You can be, you know, part of a working class and, and not part of an oligarchy. Um, so there's different levels of it. And what is your role? I, I, if you are part of the oppressed, like, what is your role there? You know, I mean, it's, it's, we all have a part to play in this. And I hope by speaking out on this that I'm playing my part well um i think that it's a risk to to speak your mind it's a risk to to share your heart on your sleeve and to to talk about controversial things but it's a necessary risk in my mind in in, in my value system it is a it is worth it to bring these things up to bring them to the light of day 
So you could also be nourishing those people that are those relationships. Um, when you play a role in the family, you have to nourish those people that are close to you. This could be also be about nourishing professional relationships in your life, establishing close-knit ties and strong bonds with people. Making time for people could be a way that you establish relationships. Forging unions in your life based on shared human values that inspire new growth. Fulfilling your obligations and your duties. Providing a service to your community. Remember, like the charities, that was their greatest joy, was providing for people in their community. And again, that concept of, of uh, let's see here, what is that concept? This word that we were looking at at the beginning, let's bring it full circle, that concept of koinonia, right? Fellowship, joint participation, to share uh, what we have, a gift jointly contributed, a collection, a contribution, koinonia. How can you find your own koinonia? How can you find your own fellowship with people? What can you contribute to the whole so that we all can have a healthy earth, a healthy society, a healthy community, a healthy neighborhood, a healthy household, even if it's just contributing to your home in a graceful way. I think that we're really being called upon to see a, the bird's eye view in the big picture right now. But again, little actions can multiply into bigger ones. Treating those in your family with respect can multiply into treating those in your community with respect, can multiply to treating those you know, in your world with respect, it multiplies. It starts with a small action and it can grow. And like wood and fire together, that flame can be passed on to another source. Okay. So who are you going to be during this period of time, during these important earth changes? And how are you going to contribute? So those are the questions to ask. All right, everyone. That's what I've got for you today. Thank you for sticking with me for this uh, little bit longer dive into Mercury and Taurus. We went on a journey today. Um, I appreciate you being here today. Leave me a comment. Tell me how you are uh, inspired to contribute to your community over this Mercury and Taurus season. And uh, you know, you, the biggest favor you can do is hit that like button so that the, this message gets out to the mo most people possible. And we're able to share the, this knowledge with people that need need to hear it. Um, if you're not subscribed to the channel, hit that subscribe button, turn the notifications on. If you'd like to make a material donation to the work that I do, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. Uh, you're buying me the gift of time to do this research and keep the lights on here. I'm trying to keep this material as available to the most amount of people possible and keep it fair. And any little donations that you can make, if you have the means to do so, is very, very helpful. So thank you so much for everyone that's contributed. Uh, this is a, a system of, of energy exchange that I really believe in and that I hope that will catch on with more people as, as we get further into the you know, the intellectual age and the digital age is this, this reciprocity model with not ex having expectations on how we should give and receive, but, but having this, this open exchange and then us feeling inspired from, from this deep place of giving what we are able to give, but also being able to learn in a way that is fair for everyone. So that's what I've got for you today. Again, as usual, be kind to one another. That's, it's, that's easy. It's just easy to be nice to one another, and it really, it really helps out. 
So be kind to one another and, and you know, find inner peace too by being kind to yourself and be gentle with yourself. I know that everyone's doing the best that they can right now with the information and the light that they have. So, so try to manifest your best self right now. And uh, I will see you the next time. Okay. Peace, everyone.